And now it's time to move to rugby. And as we said in the intro to the programme this evening, it's three out of three for Ireland. And this week, to have a look back at the weekend's international fixtures and maybe how the championship is going so far. I'm delighted to be joined by a man who's no stranger to the West of Ireland. Of course, plenty of head for blood in this man and a man who has represented Ireland on many, many occasions and Leinster and Greystones and many other representative teams. Reggie Corrigan. Reggie, you're very welcome to our Over the Line programme this evening and it's three from three for Ireland. All should be rosy in the garden. It's not too bad, George, yeah. Uh, lovely to be on. Uh, yeah, three out of three, not a bad uh, way to be now at this stage of the competition. And three out of three, looking like we could make it five out of five as well when you look at the other teams and where they're at. So we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but yeah, it couldn't be in a better spot. No, and I don't know whether I'm speaking, I suppose, I'm speaking from the heart here. I don't think we're playing our best rugby whatsoever, but it's in a case that of the three games so far, we're getting the job done because the system works and I think all members of the squad have, are buying into the system. Uh, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. It doesn't feel like we're playing the best stuff we've ever played in the last, certainly in the last five years anyway. But, um, you know, we're not playing maybe the best stuff, but you have to look at where where the team are at. You know, they've got a new out half who's settling in brilliantly. I have to say, very impressive Crowley. He's doing fantastic work there. We're picking up a couple of injuries, um, but we're finding good replacements, like Safrali coming in at the weekend. We've got untold uh, wealth in the back row to be able to bring in people, and and you've got lads coming in like Baird and Conan and lads who aren't starting, but making massive impressions when they're doing that. You've got the likes of that beast, McCarthy, Joe McCarthy there in the second row playing out of his skin and keeping James Ryan out of a team which... You know, 12 months ago, maybe that would have been unheard of, that James Ryan would have been left out of any team. So it's, uh, yeah, you're right in, in that we're not playing maybe the, the most glamorous, fancy rugby we've ever seen in our lives. But, geez, we're, we're uncovering some new talent and we're beating everything that's put in front of us. So I, I certainly have no complaints. And as a member of the Front Rose Union, you would be well versed on how to describe and cast your eye on how an outside half will be performing. And... There was lots of pessimism here when Johnny Sexton retired. Who's going to step up? There are massive boots to fill. But mm. to be fair to Jack Crowley, he has taken the opportunity put in front of him with open ha- arms. Yes, he's got to fine-tune a lot. He's a long way to go to, to match the figures or indeed the performance level of Johnny Sexton. But you can't fault the guy for what he's done so far. Not, not one bit. In fact, I'd be more than that. I'd be full of praise for what he's done so far because it is such a big task to try and step in there. Um, but it happens, you know, like George, the reality is in my day it was Ron Nogar and who'll fill in his boots and then back going back along, there was the likes of Tony Ward and Campbell. Like every era that goes by, there's the kind of the 10 being such a key playmaker. Um, there's always that question about who'll come in and be the next star. And I think... When you look at Crowley and the fact that he has had that weight on his shoulders, um, there's been others who haven't been able to handle it. You know, it hasn't worked out. Now, you could argue injury might have caused that for the likes of Joey Carberry as well. Uh, but, you know, there's been lots of other players who've had a few chances in that 10 jersey over the yeah. last few years, albeit very few. Um, and they haven't been able to make the impression. Uh, whereas Crowley just... He just looks composed. He looks a, a very strong physical presence, which I think is very important as well. Like he's not, he's no shrinking violet. Like he's well able to take a hit and he's well able to make a tackle. And 
His boot is sublime. I was at the match and we had great views of those kicks that he was slotting over. Um, you know, he's a fantastic kicker. I've been really impressed with him. And I mean, I remember, like, I mean, sure, I was there with Johnny in the, that's how old uh, Johnny's exit is. He's, he's <laughs> been, he, was even, he was even associated with me. But uh, I was there when Johnny came on the scene and he was raw. He'd be the first one to say that himself. He was raw. He, you know, had a lot to learn um, and he grew into it. And I think what we're seeing from Crowley tells me we're going to see this lad for a long time to come. It, it does. And, I, and speaking from a Connor perspective as well, and I've seen it with, outside halves that come into the Connacht setup. Bundiaki outside him, it's a great insurance policy because if ever you were banking your few quid on a guy making a couple of hard yards for you, Aki will do that. So any type of maybe iffy, iffy ball that comes and if you have to abort to move, Aki is the ideal foil outside just to carry that ball and it gives, a, as a forward as well, getting off a, from a scrum or get up from a, a rook, that fact that you're going forward it's a great boost to any player. Yeah, it all kind of works in sync with each other. I mean, I've never seen Bundiaki playing better rugby than he has in the last 24 months. It's just absolutely out of this world the way he's playing. Uh, you know, he's the best best centre in the world uh, at the moment, in my opinion. He's just That's been great. amazing. He was amazing mm-hmm. in the World Cup. Absolutely phenomenal uh, World Cup for him. And all of those lads were, you know, so unlucky not to get any further in it. Uh, and you're right, it's great having that outside him. But the other thing that's great for Crowley, and this is where uh, other out-halves maybe haven't had the same, um, you know, uh, quality of service, let's call it, the forwards and the ball that they're providing to Jameson Gibson Park to be able to give to Crowley, it's just, it might only be two more seconds than, let's say, if you look at Scotland and then you got a Finn Russell who's a phenomenal player and probably the best 10 in the tournament um, at this stage. You know, uh, comfortably, I'd say, for what he for what he can do and what he can bring to a team. But can you imagine him behind a pack like Ireland have and the speed of ball that he'd be getting and the service that he's getting from Jameson Gibson Park? It would be amazing to watch. I actually said that to someone at the weekend. I'd love to see Finn Russell playing behind the Irish pack just to see <laughs> what's, what he could bring to it. Exactly. But um, that aside, you know, for Crowley, it's just amazing for him to have a pack of forwards that are winning, uh, you know, just such quality ball every single time from... Um, yeah, it, 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 and he'd be the first one to say that as well. You know, the ball that he's been given, the service he's been given by his pack, uh, are making everything else happen. It just makes that bit of time. It gives time to Crowley to be able to give the ball on to Bundyaki to put some moves in place. Uh, Robbie Henshaw, another one who's playing fantastic rugby at the moment. Uh, there's a lot of things coming together and clicking well, you know. There is. And you, I come back to your point there about that go forward ball and the way the Irish pack. And in an, in an era where referees. I don't know that they think they're coaches or what they're doing, the way they're refereeing the breakdown and refereeing the scrum and half of them having a clue what's going on in, in my view. But the fact that the Irish pack rarely go take a step backwards and I think a little tweak as we've seen in, in, highlighted yesterday one of the newspapers of what Peter O'Mahony done with Andrew Porter. It's that sink and that the way they're drilled that pack of forwards. Any yeah. backline, as you say, would be just a pleasure to play behind a pack of forwards like this pack of forwards. It, it's just something in the unity. You alluded to the replacements coming in, the Jack Conan coming on, Key and Healy. For the, I know he wasn't on for that long, but the work he got through, and for a man of his age and the way he's able to keep going, and the, his actual recovery from from injury, serious injuries, it's really it's a testament to the man the way he's kept himself throughout his playing career. But even the reserves when they come on, it just it's just slotting. It's like a, a duplicate jigsaw piece, really. Absolutely, everybody knows the system. 
Uh, you can argue in some uh, cases that the game gets better when the subs come on. You know, when you bring on that back row, mm-hmm. fresh legs, and they're as good as what was there from the start, uh, the opposition don't have as good on the bench to bring on in the most part from any of the oppositions that we're playing against in this uh in, in this Six Nations. So you're bringing on lads who are just as good as the lads who started, but they're now fresh and they've got 20 minutes left in their legs and they know the system inside. They don't make mistakes. I said this to another lad I was watching the match with. I said, they don't make mistakes these days. You, you know, now and again, a ball gets knocked on. Now and again, a lineup goes crooked. Now and again, a scrum goes awry. But for the most part, they just don't make mistakes. And I was like laughing, thinking back to my own days, going, geez, we had twice as many scrums because we were making so many knock-ons or there were so many errors made along the way. But these lads just don't drop balls. And they're running at such pace and still the ball is sticking to them like glue. So the skills and the handling ability and all that stuff that comes along with it throughout the whole lot of the squad is absolutely incredible. Uh, It really is. It's one thing that I, I just think that the skill level of forwards in general in the modern game has improved so much. It's not a case of giving the ball to a tight head proper, a loose head proper, a second row forward, he puts it up under his arm. It's the yeah. ability to be able to out the back door passes, these little flick passes, the one-handed draw, the tackle, put the ball behind the man's back. The people working within that skill set, they deserve great credit here, I think, because, as you rightly say, that skill level of that forward pack is really, really, really very, very high. Yeah, but it's also the modern coaching style, mm-hmm. George, where yep. you're realising that. And, and that would have come from the Southern Hemisphere. I played a season down in New Zealand. And, you know, the interplay between backs and forwards was, was, was solid down there. And we're going back to the early 90s, you know. So you're talking about they, th- there was never a question down there that forwards wouldn't carry the ball or wouldn't be able to pass mm-hmm. it or wouldn't have that skill level. But it's now transferred up here. And the coaching staff or the coaches are... are putting in place game plays and, and, and moves that are involving forwards. Whereas, you know, even back in my day, the, the coach would be afraid of his life to give a prop the ball in case he'd drop it, you know, or, or wouldn't be able to make the pass. You had to go looking for the ball. It wasn't a case of you being involved in the move. You had to go and find it. Oh, you, if, if you, you got it, it was really... Throw. It was an accident, more or less, if you got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. But, uh, but that all started to change then um, later on in time. And now... You're looking at, as you said, Tyke Furlong putting balls out the back, Finley Bealham coming in, Porter, you know, with these sleight of hands moves and, and, and wraparound plays and everything else. And I suppose, like, believe me, uh, from playing in the front row, there's there's a, no front row that doesn't enjoy being involved in that kind of stuff. Keith mm-hmm. Wood was probably the first one that kind of showed the skill levels that front rows uh, can bring to a game as well from an Irish perspective. True. So there's no front row that doesn't like doing it. So when you involve them and invite them into it to do it, they're more than happy to take on the challenge. Speaking of front rows, and you mentioned Finlay Bealham there, a lot of, from, from a Connacht perspective and a Galway's perspective, a lot of I'd suppose eyebrows raised that Ali Yeager got in ahead of Finley Bealham and people wondering is has Yeager already jumped or do you think Andy Farrell is just having a look at to see what what he has to come in and how he is to manage, especially going on a tour again this summer, how he's going to be able to manage the game time for these uh, frontline forwards? Not at all. I wouldn't be reading too much into that mm-hmm. at all. Uh Andy Farrell's a very clever man. I discussed this again with another fella at the weekend. I was doing a lot of talking at the weekend, George, but uh, we did discuss this um, with another fella, and he was saying um, that it really was more, in my mind anyway, it was more of a little reminder 
that, you know, here, here's another option that we have here. And in case you get too comfortable and in case you start resting on your laurels a little bit, uh, we do have other options. You know, Tomatool is another one. You know, yeah. there's, there's, there's other options. And that's important because you can't be reliant. For so many years when I was playing, John Hayes was locking down that tight head side of the scrum and there wasn't a whole lot coming behind him. Yeah. Um, and and you can't have that. It's such, you know, a ferocious game now where injuries are picked up and things go wrong. You can't afford not to have decent replacements coming in the front. We have them across the board in every other position. Um, and you have to have it in that tight end position. It's just so crucial. So that's just a little sort of yeah, I would... bringing in and testing the water and giving a man a chance. Just looking at the couple of games we've left, the old enemy, England, we go to Twickenham. I was disappointed with them against Scotland. I've been disappointed with them, I suppose, for a long while because they don't seem to be... I don't think they have any consistency. Yes, they've done well in the World Cup, but again, the Six Nations... They've been very wishy-washy. Do you think that they'll the siege mentality and they could probably turn out to be our stiffest task in the whole championship? I think Scotland will be our stiffest task, uh, if I'm honest about it. Um, but you can you just can't write England off. There's there, there's no question or way of saying it any other way. In Twickenham, you can't write England off. Of course, they can pull out a performance. My own honest to God, good feeling on this is that we're a 20 points better team than, than that English side. All things being equal. If you put them out and both teams play to their maximum capacity, we'll beat them by 20 points. That's my opinion. We're that much better than them because they have no idea of what they're trying to do. They're just like, it's it's put the head down, There's try no and smash plan. it up the middle. There's no decent game plan you know I mean I watched them kicking a ball back and forth in, in one of the earlier matches I watched them against Italy it was embarrassing you know like they really are all over the place but that doesn't mean that they can't show up on the day in Twickenham and come up with some sort of a freakish day where everything clicks for them and nothing works for us and, and beat us and you always have to think of it that way and no doubt Andy Farrell and the boys would be well aware of that but I just think all things being equal you put us out against them even in Twickenham um, I'm very confident about beating them over in Twickenham. I know a lot of people aren't. A lot of people are saying to me, oh, I'm telling you now, England, they're the old enemy and they'll pull something out of the bag. I'm going, lads, this team, they're not like that anymore. We, you know, They've proven it time and time and time again. What more do they have to do to show to you that they are that good? You know, And, and England have shown me nothing to say that they're that good, that they can turn it over. I'd be much more worried, George, about Scotland because they're mm. the unknown. You got Finn Russell there. Uh, yeah, they, you know, they have a decent enough pack that like uh, to slow the ball down for Ireland and are good at it. They get in on every breakdown. They slow the ball down. They're awkward. The Scots were always the most awkward yes, team to always. play against. We go back to was oh. it um, two thousand and one that the foot and mouth uh, championship. Yeah where the game was deferred to September and they were the one team you were afraid of and yeah. they bring you down to the, well. they, I know you do but they, they bring you down to their level at times Rich yeah. and that's the way they yeah. operate before I let you go Rich and this is just a question away from the actual games the weekend I am a lover of rugby but I fear for the game in Wales the way things are going how do you think because it looks to be a mess over there the Irish system is works with the, the provinces and the way it works I think it really works well in the professional era but would you be very f fearful for the game in Wales? 
I wouldn't just be afraid of it in Wales. I'd be afraid of it in England uh, mm. as well. Uh, and Scotland, you know, are no great shakes in terms of their club system. But they had the sense to, to whittle it down to two yeah. when they really had their backs to the wall. Wales is in crisis. There's no question yeah. about it. Um, but England is in a crisis as well, George. I mean, you know, th- there's a lot of clubs in England gone by the wayside, old names that you would have always thought were well established. I mean, to think that there's no London Irish is, yes. is quite phenomenal. Not to mention the Wasps and all the rest of them that, that are that are, and the rest and of them are just hang, barely on. hanging on. Yeah, hanging on. They're, they're barely hanging on. So the game as a whole is in a little bit of crisis uh, in Europe. Um, Italy are not progressing the way they should have done over the last 20 odd years albeit they should have won a match against France the other day but look at it they didn't didn't score a point against us and at their club game Benetton are the only team that are doing anything but Wales is in the worst state of them all there's no question whatsoever about it it's lost its heart the Welsh rugby and I mean I remember playing against the likes of Bridgend, Pontypool, Neath, uh, Neath, uh, Swansea, Cardiff when they were Cardiff uh, all of these Ebbeville, all of these places you'd be afraid of your life going to them they were just the toughest hardest places to go and play rugby in. Uh, played by you know skillful tough men who uh, knew how to throw the ball around but at the same time hurt you they've lost all of that soul every bit of it is gone there's no like all this mismatch of what they've tried to do, bringing clubs and regions together yeah. and all the rest of it, they've just completely lost the soul of what, what their game is. And they need to go back to that. Like, I mean, to think that Straddy Park from Clenetley back in the day, you know, the great Ray Gravel, uh, who was the legend of yes, that place. The hard centre, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, that was where you, you, you didn't want to go with Straddy Park. Now you're out in some industrial estate on the outskirts of a, of a town that means nothing. There's no heart of it. There's no soul. There's no supporters. And the supporters don't like that either, no. you know. Um, so it is. It's in, a, it's in a major, major rut. It's in a big, bad place. But it hasn't got the funds. It hasn't got the money. Um, and it just needs to be completely reconstructed again and start all over. That's the reality of it. Reggie, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thank you very much for joining us on Over the Line this week and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks very much, George. A pleasure for me too.